Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Barbarian. 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 We're doing an episode not about not about us singing. Oh God, uh, no! No, that would be a uh, unpleasant and short episode, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week we're doing an episode about barbarians. Hey, it's um, a user recommended prompt. Yes, it is. This is uh, the first one of these in a while, I think, that we've done a a listener requested topic from a lovely, wonderful, delightful listener, Kara. Uh, Kara yeah. Weck underscore underscore hey on twitter uh reach out to us and <laughs> yeah we we got some really really kind feedback uh from cara cara or Kara maybe i think cara feel free to write yeah. in and correct us <laughs> let us know if, we're, <laughs> if we've totally ruined this thank you by uh by, <laughs> by mispronouncing your name and uh, doing yes yeah. renditions <laughs> we're off to a wonderful start this week yeah. uh hello listeners hi welcome back to our show we're back <laughs> uh this is of course world forge yeah. uh where we we take your wonderful ideas such as Kara's um, wonderful idea here about doing an episode of barbarians yeah uh, and good old barbs. Uh, we we create all kinds of fun characters and worlds and, and stories for you to enjoy so mm-hmm. yes this week we are going to be creating some characters that yeah. are of the barbaric persuasion yeah and i think there's a lot of different things that that can kind of mean mm-hmm. um i'm actually really curious to, i i want to kick this over to you okay first piper because i know you have some kind of insight into how you sort of view the barbarians that yeah. i think is kind of interesting well <laughs> um I, I want you to maybe sort of define this and let's let's sort of push the boundaries of what a, you know because this is a really basic yeah thing right like these mm-hmm. class-based topics i like them because they have kind of a rules as written, very fundamental definition, uh-huh. but I think it's fun to sort of push Take those them, boundaries and yeah, see. Yeah, what you want. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to maybe for the listeners now here, explain how you see this class. So I was sharing a little D&D, uh, you know, deep thoughts with my party a couple weeks ago. And I was just saying, I was like, I think it's really funny that when you think about class, some of a lot of these, I feel like they they seem like jobs. Yeah, you know, like oh, you're a fighter, you're someone who fights for a living. You're, you're a soldier, or a, right, yeah. exactly. Like you're a cleric, you're someone who heals people, and that's something you can go to school for. I feel like a lot of these things are things that you like train for, right? Yeah. And yeah. so then to consider the barbarian class, to me, that's like saying so. Dave is going to be a doctor, and Susan's going to be a lawyer, and Charlie is going to be a raging psycho 
psychopath. That's <laughs> Charlie's what, got a bad temper. Yeah, he's going to go <laughs> off and go crazy on people every now and then. Like, that's a good career. Have fun, Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It is, that's so funny because it just seems like it's... At least when I think of a barbarian, I think of someone who's like just like, rah, going yeah, insane yeah. with rage. Well, so I, I think that's an interesting way of framing it because I think... It it seems as though you are definitely seeing a barbarian as someone that they don't have any control over their rage, right? It's just something that's kind of born in them that that overtakes them in mm -hmm. certain circumstances, yeah. right? And I actually think it would be really interesting to look at examples of kind of alternative sources of some of the barbarian skills that they get their you know their rage and their damage resistance and their additional their kind of hardiness and things like that and see how can we acquire that not through means that we don't have control over. You know, are there alchemical or magical means that can grant us these abilities? Is there training? Like, you know, could you be a barbarian that is able to like monk-like kind of focus their mind into ignoring the the pain of incoming blows and, you know, increase their strength through sheer force of will and, mm -hmm. and things like that. I think there are a lot of different angles this can be approached from that aren't just, you get mad sometimes and you hit real hard. Yeah, no, uh, seriously. Yeah. I, I've written down along with my examples that I want to share. I've also written down a couple of questions that I think will help us sort of define the barbarians that we're creating. And it it's kind of along the lines of that. It's like, yeah. you know, what yeah. is their level of control? Can they choose when this happens? Do they have triggers that just set them off? Like yeah. things like that. Yeah. Are there only certain environments where they can rage? And like, if they don't have cer a certain thing near them, does it just not work? Absolutely. Things and, like that. And is, you know, is, is the power of the moon, whenever there's a full moon, like a werewolf style. Exactly. You know, a werewolf, I think, is an interesting kind of, um, like barbarian adjacent yeah. sort of class. No, I, right? I wrote yeah. that down too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think we were talking about this with Jared from Monsters and Multiclass. I don't remember if this was on air or if this was in a in a post credits uh, <laughs> conversation that we had had. But he kind of pointed out that sorcerers have an interesting sort of parallel to barbarians too. At, at least the way that you've sort of um, uh, defined barbarians here that if it's this thing that's kind of inside of them, it's in their blood, they're just born with it innately, this rage, right? Sorcerers are kind of the same way. Um, they have this innate magical ability that they didn't choose. Mm -hmm. It just was yeah. something that was always in them. Either they have the, uh, the blood of a dragon within them or they have, you know, their their parents slipped into a alchemical well or something while they were pregnant with them or, you know, something like that. I didn't choose that kind of... the barbarian life. It chose me. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think there are really interesting sort of implications for the source of these barbarian abilities. If it is something that you trained for or sought out, or if it was something that was just thrust upon you yeah. unwillingly. So, uh, yeah, these I just are... got an idea for another good example that I want to talk <laughs> about later. Well, uh, I, I think I have more examples than you do this week. I, I kind of went ham bone on this one, actually. I, as I was, this is another one where I was kind of like, I don't know if I can think of a lot of great examples for this just off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And then when I really, I sat down and just had a ton of them they were just kind of pouring out so and we were like this is gonna be a short episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic that can go on the bingo board that this will be a short one this week and then it's another two-hour episode but yeah uh i actually think that one of uh, thinking about kind of the fundamental traits of barbarians that set them apart from a fighter or a you know a monk right is I think something that's interesting is the barbarian's ability to kind of shrug off damage. You know, they go into a trance and they, you know, they hit and if somebody hits back, they can just kind of ignore it. Right. I think that's an interesting thing that sort of damage resistance. And the first thing that made me think of was 
in Smash Brothers, actually, there are heavy, there's like a heavy class of fighters that include like Donkey Kong, Bowser, King K. Rule, Ike, um, I think Ridley is in there, that certain attacks of theirs, they have like super armor. So as long as they're charging up this attack, you can hit them and they'll take damage, but you can't stun them or knock them out of their, their attack, you know? And I think that's kind of an interesting thing mechanically that trying to find ways to tie that into a barbarian, right? Like if you've committed to an attack and maybe, you know, your opponent hits you, maybe they even drop you below zero health because you've committed to this attack you get to finish the attack before you fall. Cool. You know, like if, if you say, okay, I have this this big powerful swing up attack that maybe I, I leave myself exposed when I make this move, but, and, and it takes like two full turns to do or something. So I can be hit in this vulnerable state, but because I've committed to this move, no matter what happens in these two turns, this attack will still land. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of all or nothing hit, right? I think that's a really interesting sort of strategic option yeah you know if you say okay the the normal thing with a barbarian is to go well you have the most hit points you're the you have the highest damage resistance you should be just sort of the meat shield right you take all the hits right but if you have a barbarian that can say look i have to be vulnerable for for a full turn or for two turns but once those turns are up i'm going to hit like a truck if you can just keep the target off the, the enemy off of me for mm-hmm. those two turns. So I don't die. Like, I think that would like be an interesting he, thing. They're the right? secret weapon. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like kind of playing against that sort of traditional barbarian style of, of soaking up all the hits, like a sponge to sort of finessing it a little bit more. Yeah, um, or, or maybe even having it be, while they're charging up this attack, the more damage they take, all of that is fed back to the enemy too, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, I think there are a couple of different ways we can look at this. And I think that would be a cool ability to give to, as kind of like a homebrew rule to give to a barbarian, in addition to just, you know, they normally do more damage or they have damage resistance, like adding in a little more um, strategy, I think, to it would be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's pretty neat. Yeah, what what do you got? Uh, My first one is one that I, maybe on your list, but... I think you'll like it. It's uh, it's Animal from, it's animal the, Muppets. from the Muppets. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a drum barbarian. Yeah, yeah he's a drum yeah. barbarian. Oh my god, a cool barbarian bard well, he's, combination. He's a, yeah, he's a bard barbarian. Barbarian. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's more terrifying than a, a, a giant man, a giant hairy man swinging two axes and just singing a you know beautiful blood dirge to himself while he does it <laughs> very spooky i would run um but i do love animal i love that it's one of your mom's favorites mm. uh oh yeah uh yeah he's a good muppet yeah he's and what more is there to say uh-huh. <laughs> what higher praise yeah. than to say he's a good muppet yeah he's a very uh, good muppet no animal's really really fun i do like the the musical nature of it as well that um when he can drum it can kind of be his outlet for his energy exactly exactly or maybe it's the music that puts them into this trance right like when they you know if they're if they're like in a club and they hear they're like boom 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 you know that kind of gets into them and it that's what pushes them into their rage right (laughs) this the rhythm of of the battle right i think that'd be kind of a fun thing yeah Um, no that's neat and that would be that falls under the kind of that category of this person has a trigger essentially that sets them off oh yeah no totally so like if your enemies know about that they can like maybe use that against you absolutely you can play the music and it'll make you go crazy and you'll be like no not right now no no, it's my wedding damn it (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i I mean obviously 
you know, our strengths are what often we kind of build our characters around, but we say all the time, like our weaknesses are always more interesting than our strengths, right? Like you need to build those kinds of things into your characters. I think that's a really cool kind of gift to give to your DM to say, Hey, look, like my character is super powerful. They've got all this incredible training. Like here's all the things I can do. Right. Mm -hmm. Caveat to this. If I hear uh, the Sesame Street theme song, then uh, I'm going to murder everyone in sight. You know, <laughs> you know? like I, I think that's kind of a fun thing. And what happens when your enemies learn this? How do they take advantage yeah. of it? Right. Can they turn you against your allies like Hulk style? We've kind of yeah. talked about this a little bit with um, you've done similar things to my character, Willa. Yes. And yes. Madame Willa Dabara. Exactly. Because she has her vampire abilities. Uh, like I think first session, you had another vampire person kind of take away her control and made her go kind of yeah berserker yeah that was a fun one so we were we were talking about this is in one of our groups where it's kind of our zoo crew is what we call it right everyone has an animal yeah yeah every (laughs) single member of this party is my character is renee the frog man we've got a uh, rat person Mm -hmm. we've got a willa can turn uh, into a bat or a dog yeah a bat or a dog and then we've got our cleric who's just a regular elf she's the zookeeper yeah the zookeeper exactly she has us all on leash backpacks absolutely so and, that we and, don't run away <laughs> and this is a, a group where it was you and i who had played before and our other two party members had had not really had a lot of experience with D and so you had a little bit more fleshed out of a backstory than them and we were trying to find ways to you had wanted to play a vampire character mm-hmm. we're trying to find ways to balance that right so she's that, not all powerful yeah exactly so she's not all powerful and also that your story wouldn't be the only thing that we focus on it, it wouldn't kind of overwhelm everyone else's ability to role play and so one thing that i thought would be kind of interesting is you know to to stop you from just being this un unkillable monster vampire would be that, you know, you have all these powerful abilities. You're limited, of course, by daylight and by, you know, you have to be invited into houses or whatever, you know, all the like regular vampire rules. But in addition to that, more powerful vampires than you can have like sway over you, essentially. They can, they can trigger your vampire kind of berserk mode, your bloodlust at any time. Yeah. And so we had a really interesting encounter with a character that, you know, immediately when you met them, they said, oh, I can smell the, the vampire on you and they as soon as you know combat started we thought we were being kind of sneaky finessing this guy and uh as soon as combat started they just pointed at you and said you you're on my team now that was intense <laughs> for episode one yeah, yeah i liked it that was super fun yeah that was that was a really fun one i thought that was a cool way to kind of twist that character a little bit um back to the actually the barbarian thing a little bit it 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 makes me think of um tying sort of like music or like kind of a rave barbarian rave barbarian like there's there's a conan the barbarian there's that scene from the movie where arnold schwarzenegger's like you know spinning his sword around all fancy he's doing like cool moves never seen it and i saw a um i saw like a gif once like many many years ago this is like probably uh uh, like YTMND days or something like that, where they replaced his sword with uh, glow sticks and uh, they put yeah. like rave, you know, like Sandstorm by Darude in the background. Yeah. So, you know, it's him just doing <laughs> like crazy rave moves, which I actually kind of love. I think that's sort of a cool visual thing. Like, like I said, the rhythm of the battle, I think is really, yeah. really fun. And, well, it was yeah. when you said that earlier about someone like going crazy at a rave or a dance, it made me kind of think of like, you know, the horror stories you hear about like people going mad on bath salts or yeah, something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. I think that's another interesting thing with barbarians too is you know you say well barbarians they just go crazy you know there's some trigger right Mm -hmm. but what if it is maybe like a substance that that kind of pushes you into this right you know we we have historical precedents for this right like the the celts would paint woad on their faces that had uh i'm not a historian this is something Mm -hmm. i 
just heard once, maybe this is not accurate, but I, they, they would paint woad on their faces that had like, um, you know, herbs or like mushrooms or like some kind of like a, like a, uh, performance enhancing <laughs> like thing in it, right? <laughs> that when they would put it on them, they would breathe in these vapors and it would make them slightly more tolerant to pain or, you know, they're in kind of like heightened senses. Like at least that's sort of how the stories are told, right? Yeah. The Vikings would do this or the Celtic uh, people would do this, which I think is really interesting. Uh, if maybe it's a potion, maybe you're an alchemist, mm-hmm. like, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or something, you drink a potion and it turns you into this big Hulk. So it's funny you say that because uh, that kind of falls along the lines of one of my other people that I have here um sam and i on my birthday actually we watched uh one of my faves leon the professional yeah uh and so uh there's a character there stansfield um and who is he played by gary oldman gary Gary youngman gary yeah Yeah, gary middle-aged it was was the 90s he wasn't old yet so uh gary middle-aged man uh plays this character (laughs) and he's very interesting because he seems like a very just like normal guy. We later find out that he's like a DEA director or agent. Yeah, he works for the DEA, but he's like corrupt and he steals all these weird pills from people or something. Well, that's the thing. That's yeah. what's so like fun and creepy about him is that whenever they go in to do like bad stuff like that they do bad all the time, yeah. he will pop one of these mysterious pills and it like he'll always turn around so you only see him from behind. Yeah. It sounds like he's like breaking a tooth when he like swallows it down and it like gives him some kind of crazy adrenaline and then he just goes through yeah. and like shoots families and kills kids and does crazy bad stuff. There's definitely like a transformative kind of aspect like visually like yeah. that that turn he you always know? like that, rolls his neck and like twists his back in yeah. a weird way like it's changing him it, exactly it's like a werewolf like his spine is elongating you can hear like like imagine just cracking bones or something there's a very intentional you know even just the way that he turns his face away from the camera you know like that spin is like you you see his face in one moment and then he turns around and it's like you see someone else yeah. when he reveals himself. I think that's really interesting. It's pretty creepy. And I was I was saying to you, I think when we were watching it, that I think he does a good performance in that where he walks a fine line of being that kind of exaggerated, eccentric bad guy without it being yeah. kind of annoying or too over the top. So he like does it, I think, just the right amount. No, totally. Yeah. I think another thing that's kind of interesting about, you know, that there's kind of a culture to Mm -hmm. barbarians, right? And I mean, you know, for this guy, he's a DEA agent. He's kind of steeped in this like assassin culture. You know, he like murders people. There is, there is sort of like a different world that he's a part of Mm -hmm. that I think is sort of interesting. Right. And I think, again, there's also kind of historic precedent for this as well. Right. I mean, we, so the way that we kind of view Vikings historically, which, you know, however accurate or not that is. DEA Vikings. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing basically, but (laughs) that we see like, oh, the Vikings were a people that they were all warriors. And so I, I think that's another thing too, that if you are, you know, in your story or in your game, if you are from a, a tribe or a culture or a location where these warrior values, you know, maybe it's it's Bushido or maybe it is like, you know, like the Viking like shield arts or something like that, that it it's what kind of defines your life. Like that's the thing you focus all of your energy into. Like I think that that's an interesting kind of parallel to this as well, right? Maybe you don't totally lose control and go into a rage. Maybe it is a focused trained dedicated thing and that's just all of my life is fighting right Mm -hmm. other people from other cultures would view you as this you know wild uncontrollable barbaric thing because when you go into a rage that's like your kind of comfort zone Mm -hmm. right yeah um and you know and i think um we see this with like the klingons is a good example of that 
Um, I think we see it with, again, kind of the Vikings historically, like figures like Harold Hadrada, who have all of these incredible anecdotes of, you know, the Battle of Stamford Bridge. He fought off a hundred Englishmen by himself because he created a choke point and the only way they could kill him was they had to go under the bridge and stab him in the in the butt with a bunch of spears, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, because he was too powerful to, you know. I think there's a lot of really interesting um, well, kind of examples of that. I agree. And yeah. before we get too far from what you were just touching on before this, saying this kind of idea of, you know, it's, it's how they kind of deal with that. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of with specifically this, exe- this example of Stansfield, I think perhaps it's partially his way of kind of coping with the the bad things that he does oh, yeah. is that him yeah. knowing he's like, okay, I'm about to like, I'm have to go and kill all these people. I better be stoned out of my mind. So I don't care about it emotionally. Maybe that's yeah. how he like shrugs off the moral guilt. And he's like, I'm just going to like, you know, go out of my mind essentially. So I don't have to think about what I'm doing. Oh my God. Okay. That's a really cool insight. The, the, the rage is an escape, right? right? Like I'm a character that the only thing I'm good at is killing people. It's what I've decided. That's just what I do in my life. Right. I can't really deal with this because while I'm really good at it, maybe I don't, this is not Stansfield. This mm-hmm. is just kind of like, Sam, you know, yeah, yeah. this is Sam's field. Sam's um, field. Uh, you know, thinking maybe I'm just really, really good at killing. I've never really found another way to get by in the world, but I see this as like a bad thing. You know, I don't want to just only be good at killing people. So the way that I handle that is I go into like a fugue state, you know, mm-hmm. my mind goes somewhere else. I separate, I was going to say, I compartmentalize. Yeah, exactly. Right? So there's a part of me that kind of is a, you know, super crazy, uh, psycho murder guy. Mm -hmm. And there's another part of me that's a normal person that lives a normal life that doesn't really think about that. Right. Because maybe you you can, if you want to justify it to yourself, blame it on the drugs. It's like, well, it wasn't really me. Yeah. It was like, you know, drug me. That's what did it. (laughs) Like, it's fine. Normal me wouldn't do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think that's interesting. And I think that kind of, that starts to bleed into like Incredible Hulk territory a little bit where that, you know, yeah, there's like a separate version of you that Mm -hmm. you're either you know, Bruce Banner or you're the Hulk. Which one are you today? You or know? you're the best of both worlds and you profess your Hulk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I think Marvel has a few really good examples actually specifically that because we also have, I think Drax is a pretty good example of barbarian, a guy who just, yeah. you know, he, again, kind of a warrior culture. He's good at killing things. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a weirdo. People don't really understand why <laughs> like fighting is this important thing. And uh, Logan Wolverine mm-hmm. uh, is another really, really good example of that, that, you know, he's got a lot he, of rage in him. Yeah. He kind of acts like, no, I don't really care about anything. I'm sort of aloof. But then when someone that he really cares about or loves is hurt or is in danger, he totally loses it. Yeah. Um, you know, specific great examples of that is the end of the movie Logan, right? Where he's in the woods and he's running through through the forest, killing all these, uh, these spec ops goons. And he injects himself with that serum. And it's mm-hmm. like, he's already in his own kind of berserk rage. And then he enhances it with this, you know, it's kind of combining all these things we're talking about that inborn kind of blood filled rage with an alchemical or a technological or a magical influence as well. Yeah. Well, that sort of brings up another important question of if it is like rage, you know, saying, where does this anger come from? Yeah. And for Logan, I think it comes from decades and decades of suffering. Yeah, hating being alive. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. having gone through so many wars and seeing so much death and pain yeah. and having people he cares about taken away from him that he just like has this big ball of anger inside of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what that, that's another, I guess, interesting thing to kind of touch on is, yeah, what is the motivation behind the rage is if it is something that 
you can control or if it's something maybe that you gained at some point in your life, is it because like Logan, you know that everyone that you ever care for will you will outlive them all, you know? Mm-hmm. If you don't <laughs> like, kill them yourself by yeah, accident. Exactly, exactly. You will lose everything you've ever cared for. So you just have to, you know, box it away <laughs> in, in, in your mind and then get mad about it later, you know? Yeah. Use that as fuel for, for the people that, against the people that you hate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, what other kinds of motivation can we find for this rage? You know, mm-hmm. is it something that we can't, that, that just happens? Or is it something that, it's a little switch that we can flick on whenever we want. Yeah. And how do we flip that switch? Totally. Um, along the lines of Marvel, two other ones that I had that I don't need to talk about in depth, but more kind of DC. Well, I guess one of them's Marvel. Juggernaut as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, and then I also had Bane. Um, yeah. At yeah. least I think of uh, like the George Clooney Bane kind of a thing <laughs> where, you know, you press a button and he gets pumped full of all that juice yeah. and he swells yeah. up real big. Th- and- that's the George Clooney Batman Bane. Exactly. Not, if only George Clooney ever played Bane. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's too suave. He would yeah, he's way too he'd suave. never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. That's another good example, again, of kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing, right? Mm-hmm. He injects himself with venom and he grows into a giant 10 foot tall luchador mm-hmm. and uh you know that that's really cool i think that sort his of his a- name is bane <laughs> yes i think that sort of affectation is really interesting too mm-hmm. imagine you know imagine bane was not a luchador when he wasn't full of venom right like imagine he just is like a normal you know say he's antonio banderas right mm-hmm. and then when he goes into a rage he puts on the luchador mask and he's jumping from the corner of the ring you know like he turns <laughs> into this kind of different character it's kind of performative yeah. right i think that could be an interesting thing too that like maybe the the rage isn't even real right maybe you're you're putting on a show like you know like wwe style you kind of say oh i'm going crazy i'm my i'm my fighting mode now and you kind of play a different role when you when you fight what you said about the mask that makes me think too almost kind of of the movie the mask where oh yeah when he puts it on all inhibition is gone that's the right word to use right i would say so like self-control you're just kind of completely like free to do whatever you want because it's the whole idea that it's kind of like loki and mischief and all this stuff yeah um and whereas he's kind of more goofy and silly he does have this like super crazy energy like aspect about him when the bad guy puts the mask on at the end he's kind of more of like a big hulking dude yeah it kind of enhances sort of Um, what's in you or whatever right and so yeah i like the idea that maybe the barbarian it's not anything to do with their personality it's more of like a mystical like garment or a piece or an item yeah. that it possesses you essentially and totally. that's where the rage comes from or you know, that I energy think, or power i think if we look at it from that perspective where you know the idea of this rage being an enhancement of something that's in you already right we can look at figures like captain america right mm-hmm. if i think that would be an interesting thing where maybe maybe a fighter was training with a bunch of barbarians and saying hey like i want to I want to become like you. I want to be able to unlock this ability, right? But instead of unlocking the ability to rage, they like ascended Super Saiyan style to another level, right? So it would be it would be like when Steve Rogers took the Super Soldier Serum, right? Mm-hmm. Originally, he was just a regular guy, and then suddenly he went into a permanent rage, essentially. He Yikes. got all of these superhero, superpower abilities. It enhanced everything within him. You know, I think the Professor Hulk is another kind of interesting example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you evolve into this next kind of form, right? How do you reconcile that? You're permanently stuck in your your quote unquote rage. What kind of interesting drawbacks could you give your your player now? If you give them this incredible gift of like, oh well now you always have all the benefits of being in a rage, 
you can't fit through doors anymore because you're too big. You know, like how, how do you give them weaknesses that are commensurate with the things that you get to now enjoy all the time mm-hmm. as benefits? I yeah. think that would be kind of a fun challenge as a DM. It's kind of bonkers. The way you're talking about this, it makes me think of Ragnarok and the way that uh, Hulk has just been living as Hulk for several years. <laughs> yes. And yes. imagining just like living day to day with that, rage inside of you yeah. which again like it's that classic line he's like that's my secret cop i'm always angry, I'm always angry. angry. uh but like <laughs> and i guess uh hulk kind of mentions it too at the one point when he's like in the bedroom the bedroom the champion room <laughs> hanging out wow i don't remember that part <laughs> yeah there, he's sitting hulk, on his, hulk's boudoir uh, hulk's boudoir he's sitting on his big toothy bed and he's talking with thor and he's like always angry all the time and it's just like how do you even like form sentences and talk when you're like just like (laughs) seething with rage no totally well and that's kind of the thing is like you sort of learn to control it over time Mm. right i think that would be an interesting stage you know maybe you, you know we can kind of talk about like session zero and having level zero characters where you have to grow into a level one you know peasants are are uh regular people are people that don't have a level in any adventuring class in mm-hmm. D right like the distance between level zero and level one is this ascension to an adventurer mm-hmm. essentially right so from the perspective of a, of a barbarian it's how did you get to this point where you gained the ability to kind of rage like yeah. you, you transformed into this right you're learning to harness this ability to Maybe you always are really angry, but now you can actually direct that anger at something and you can communicate while you're angry and you have some form of control. Yeah, I like that idea. The idea of starting as just kind of like Hulk on day one and trying to teach him how to become Professor Hulk. That's your evolution. Yeah. I actually think it'd be really interesting if you started like that as the DM, like, you know, you do your classic scenario where you're in a tavern or something, right? Yes. And the person who's playing like that kind of, let's say, Hulk-based barbarian, you know, they're like, all right, I sit down. You're like, okay, the chair shatters beneath you. You're like, I pick (laughs) up a drink. Like, it's broken. My ass is far too powerful. (laughs) Water is everywhere. Like, everything you do, you can't touch anything without breaking it because you just have all this, like, strength and you do everything too intensely. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that'd be interesting like maybe you try to just like uh like i don't know like tap someone but you end up punching them into a wall yeah it's like you don't have any control and so that's how you start all these like conflicts and fights absolutely yeah i think another interesting sort of angle for that is you know you're you're in a tavern and you've gotten into a million bar brawls in your life before right you've you've gotten the shit kicked out of you a handful of times it's like yeah it's regular it's just like a saturday night you know this time somebody says something to you they grab your shoulder and you turn to face them and time slows down. You know, it's not just this like, oh, I'm getting into another fight. I'm going to get punched a bunch. It's I suddenly have like a heightened sense of where I'm at, a heightened sense of situational awareness. And you you kind of realize like, hold on, did I just cross into some other, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, th- there's a there's a different type of awareness here, right? <laughs> that would be a really interesting way to introduce this ability to a a character, right? To maybe do a session where nobody has a class and say, okay, you get into a fight, you get into a altercation of some kind. Uh, and everybody just kind of gets knocked to the ground, you know, like, and then in the next session you would have kind of a mirrored, you'd repeat that experience, but you'd tweak it so that now you have, you're better equipped 
to handle it, right? So you'd get into the same fight with the same people. They'd come back and they'd say, I thought we told you never to come around here again. And they'd go to punch you. And then you'd have this, you know, slow motion. You see their fist kind of coming at Mm -hmm. you and you can react, right? Yeah. How cool would that be? I mean, that's a cool way to sort of key you into, hey, I have power now that I didn't have before. You know, maybe I should go out and try and make a living using this power yeah, no. as an adventure. That'd be a, fun. Whatever. I agree. Um, that, that would be a cool cue, I think, to, to line up some, some fun adventuring activity. Definitely. <laughs> motivate your, your party. Sam, why don't you blast through what's left and then I'll have one more to end with. Yeah. You know, the only other ones that I really had here, I had Kratos from God of War, mm-hmm. I think is a really good one. Um, classic, you know, axe wielding big Viking barbarian guy. He literally kills gods. He's angry all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think kind of hits all of those stereotypical Viking tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had He-Man from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, big old, big old gay barbarian it's, listening to Cher all the time. It's so <laughs> I love it. Me. I love it with a terrible blonde bowl cut. Yeah. It's funny to me how many <laughs> of these I feel like border on just fighters versus barbarians. Yeah. And yeah. I think what defines the barbarian instead of just being a big guy who is a fighter is kind of that berserker sort of like more yes. wild yes, side exactly. of it. And so I feel like He-Man is pretty controlled though. So I don't think, I think he is, but, uh, but he has the aesthetic of what people kind of see as a barbarian, like just a giant hulking monstrous man. He looks like sword. one. Yeah. He, he yeah. looks like one. He looks like one. <laughs> you know, I think that's another interesting thing though, too, though. We talk about the, the rage, right? The, the berserk mode and the immediate inclination is to say, oh, you go into a rage. It makes you good at fighting. What if your, your rage mode is. Cripples you. Like well, crippling okay. depression. That's your, <laughs> you curl up in a ball and you can do nothing and your f- teammates have to come and protect you. Not the direction I was going with that. <laughs> I, my rage is, I had a heart attack. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, what if the rage enhances a different ability, right? Like what if you're like a, like a Mozart or something and you go into a fugue state where suddenly you have become, you can just compose in real time freely, you know, like that would be a really interesting thing as again, talking about like a barbarian mm-hmm. instead of this rage, making you hit really hard. This rage allows you to kind of mindlessly like, like, you know, an autodidact or whatever, like compose the greatest symphony of all time. That would be a really cool thing to explore too. Like how would you apply that ability yeah. to different classes mm-hmm. as a, a cleric, your healing powers like surge out wildly and everyone around you becomes more powerful because all of this wild magic energy is infused into everyone around you as it there's so many different directions this could go what if you heal too much and you take away something that somebody liked actually i loved missing a leg and i'm really mad that you grew my leg back no, I, was, I, I was thinking like i was because you said you know your healing abilities are too immense and they shoot out and they affect the people yeah. around you well maybe you had someone in your party who had freckles and that like it decided oh. that that was a blemish and it removed the freckles and the person's yeah. like that was a detail that i loved about myself and it's gone now no that's interesting like, why did you yeah. take away my beautiful flaws totally yeah totally mm-hmm. I, or you know or maybe as a as a druid right if your druid rage is that as you walk through the forest all of the trees around you are suddenly infused with your magical energy and start growing out of control they take over the the surrounding land the surrounding city they become these unstoppable kind of monstrous plants. Yeah. I think there's a lot of cool directions taking this, this barbarian and applying it to other classes. Definitely. Also uh, another kind of twist on that, instead of changing, you know, the way it affects your ability, 
if what if it changes instead of it being like anger what if it's a different emotion that is kind of oh, this yeah. thing because i was just thinking i made that joke about you know you go into a crippling depression <laughs> but um it actually makes me think of in steven universe uh, one of the diamonds uh blue uh is her name just like sapphire blue diamond blue diamond i think it's just blue diamond mm-hmm. um she is like obviously blue she's very sad she has all this like emotional stuff lapis lazuli and that's that's another character Uh, i don't know anything about steven universe (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so blue diamond her sadness it's kind of like that because when she gets like too overwhelmed by her emotions like this giant wave of sadness rushes off of her and it makes everyone just so sad and depressed they can't do anything and that's kind of like almost a weapon she can like put her sadness on other people and it makes them, you know, give up and all this other stuff. And only Stephen, who's happy and yeah. uplifting, can make it through to her and be like, it's okay. I think this sort of empathy by proxy, mm-hmm. right? Like you can force other people to take on the traits that you are exuding. Yeah. Right? Like, I, yeah, I think that could be really interesting as mm-hmm. well. You could kind of use a character like this as a weapon, right? Just unleash them on an enemy uh, army and suddenly their morale just plummets you yeah. know they don't even want to fight anymore they even make a joke about that in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy when like the big weapon at the end is a gun that when you shoot it at someone they feel what you're feeling oh yeah and at the yeah. very end they defeat that army because the depressed robot has the gun <laughs> and he shoots the army and they're all like what's the point and they all yeah. fall down on the ground and they give up no that's a really good point yeah I, yeah i like that so, Sam, my final one, which I only thought of once we started talking. I have one final one, too. So do your final and then I'll do mine. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> my final one is one of my all-time favorite characters. I've definitely talked about him on the show. Professor Radigan. Oh, yeah, of course. And his... I, I, I'm going off of the idea of his kind of rage at the end of the movie of being that kind of like a barbarian yeah. thing. His trigger is people acknowledging that he's a rat. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, if I haven't already gone in depth with, I'm sure I have, about the things that I love about his character. From The Great Mouse Detective. From The Great Mouse for, Detective, yeah. Professor Radigan, yeah. uh, voiced by the infallible... Uh, Vincent Price. Vincent Price, thank yes. you. God damn it. I've had a couple <laughs> of beers. Um is that I? What I love so much about him is that he has all of this strength and this power and this like force. Yeah. But he, for whatever reason, is kind of ashamed of it. Like he hides it behind. He wears this like very fancy attire and he smokes from a fancy cigarette stick. And he's like, I am a very fancy person. I'm not a rat. I'm a mouse. Yeah. Like I think he's ashamed of that side of him. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to me that the whole time we see him, he's kind of this dapper gentleman, even though he is huge, like way bigger than the mice characters, which I think is really cool that he's so imposing. But then at the very end, he snaps and he just goes crazy. Like he yeah. literally shreds off his fancy clothes as he's running through the clock tower and like his rat claws come out when his gloves are off. Like yeah, I yeah. love that he wears the gloves to hide his clawed hands. Well, it, you know, it's it's like a class thing, right? I mean, he views himself as this sort of right. fancy boy, foppish, upper, you know, like rich hoity-toity. Like I'm better than all of these you know, all these poor people who can't control themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, that's why I'm not just a rat. I'm, I'm one of you. I'm one of the upper crust. Whatever, I'm the right? world's greatest criminal mind. Yeah, totally. Which, which <laughs> I think is an interesting perspective, right? That it's this, you know, this, this kind of worldview where he says the only way to be valuable is to hide all of the, these these terrible traits, these violent tendencies that the, all, only the poor, you know, have this, right? Like he sees himself as above that. Yeah. I think is really interesting. No, it's honestly one of my all time favorite kind of character tropes is the idea of a gentleman that can 
instantly turn savage yeah, into this totally. like dangerous person it's like yeah. don't cross me like that's a that's a bad take that he has by the way i should clarify oh yeah no <laughs> definitely like very very bad take no i i i think it's interesting i would love to go into the the deep fan lore around the great mouse detective universe and be like are rats like second class citizens like yes. why is he ashamed yes, of himself yes. why don't we see any other rats like where are the rest of them yeah. all this other stuff like probably it's not his fault and the whole class system is totally yeah. pre- prejudice yeah but we won't go into We're just, that yeah a thing we can say about like basically any Disney movie. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scary animals are always bad unless it's Zootopia. Then mm-hmm. That's like the only one that really addresses it. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, I stand Radigan. Like He's great. Well, uh, that's a, that's a fantastic example. Um, <laughs> my last example was uh, a, a more recent one for us. One that is from a property we've been revisiting Tormund Giants Bane. Um, just a big, again, kind of fits all of those barbarian classic tropes right just a big red-haired viking looking guy who swings a giant axe around Mm -hmm. and just gets mad at everything he's got a big (laughs) imposing presence his voice is so deep and cool he's a a scary icelandic guy (laughs) like i i love Tormund. he's awesome Um, aesthetically i think he fits the bill just perfectly so um that's kind of anytime i picture rutburian now i i he just jumps into my mind immediately visually at least so what we've learned from this is that if you're a big, tough, strong guy who looks like a barbarian, then Sam will think you're a barbarian. Yes, exactly. No matter what you actually are or who you are. Uh, so I, I think that's a good foundation here. Let's jump into our prompting phase here, Piper, and start creating our own, utilizing some of these ideas that we have now explored here. What have you got for us in terms of prompts? And I think it's your turn to get the first prompt. Okay. Kind of prompt prima nocta. Um, my word was spy. Ooh. A barbarian okay. spy. Or Is James Bond kind of a barbarian? <laughs> perhaps someone who needs to infiltrate a group of barbarians um, and oh. they need to spy against them. You've got to pretend to be angry all the time. <laughs> You've well, got to knock things off shelves. That's what I need to ask myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is more interesting? Is it more interesting for someone to perhaps train in the art of being a barbarian to infiltrate a group of barbarians and pass as one of them? Yeah. Or is it more interesting? I think I'm going to go more of the Radigan route and say, this is someone who they need to infiltrate, infiltrate a different group High and society they must or, hide yeah. the anger within themselves yeah. because if they snap, they will give the game away and they won't, they will no longer be able to, you know, gather the information they need. I love that. And I think it's so interesting because it's this twist on, you know, we're saying training is a barbarian. We've, we've revisited this a couple of times so far saying, how do you learn to rage? Right. Mm-hmm. How do you learn to hide your rage? Yeah. How do you learn to control your rage yeah. instead of gaining that ability, tucking it down inside of you? I mean, that's a big part of the Hulk's kind of arc in the mm-hmm. Marvel films, right? Is how do you become friends with this other person that lives inside of you? How do you learn to control this other person that lives mm-hmm. inside of you or live in, in peace and harmony with them, yeah. right? Um, I, yeah, that's cool. I love in Tangent Quick, I love in Ragnarok once he transforms back and Thor just doesn't know how to handle it and he just keeps going like, the sun's going down, the sun's going down and he's like, you're not helping. <laughs> like, he doesn't even know what the little poem is. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Um, okay, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to go with a, a barbarian who needs to go undercover and learn to like subdue their kind of rage. Okay. And honestly, I like, I like the idea. This, this works perfectly with my whole like gentleman monster kind of a thing yeah. that I was talking about earlier. Uh, I bet it is like 
a group of high society things. Let's say, okay, if we're going with D and D, I bet it's a bunch of nuns, like Sister Act, Brother <laughs> Act. <laughs> if it's like D and D and fantasy stuff, let's say this person maybe they are um, like a dark elf or something. And they, their class is barbarian and they come from like a, a group of barbarians. Yeah. Barbarian dark elves. Sounds awesome and scary. That does sound really cool. Um, I, and, and I picture more like Elder Scrolls kind of dark elves than, than, uh, dark elves aren't really like a thing in D&D much. Like there's the drow. Oh, okay. But they're kind of like a... I think I was picturing there's a lot Skyrim of, too. Yeah. There's a lot of like controversy around drow because they're, and, and like rightfully so right. that they're like, well, they're dark skin, so they're evil. You know, mm-hmm. like that's... I think a problematic thing, obviously. And and I think the Elder Scrolls take is a little bit more forgiving that Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a different culture of elves that have sort of different values. And that's more based on like their geography and their, you know, their history and things like that than like, well, they're, they look different, so they must be bad. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Uh, And so maybe there is a, because I I, I wanted to go with like kind of the classic, like snooty high elves or whatever. Who yeah. that's kind of the the group that needs to be infiltrated, right? Yeah. So this person, uh, I'm trying to think of like the details and elaborate on this. I because right now I just see it as like very like I don't know Radigan based things. You know they would have yeah. to train yeah. like how to uh, you know pass amongst them to uh, have all the right etiquette. Yeah, like the the disguises that would hide them visually that would hide their you know maybe if they have like vocal affectations they have to train themselves out of if they have ways of walking and moving that are kind of different than you know maybe maybe they they're used to kind of they have different posture right Mm -hmm. like they don't stand up straight in in the way that you know you you talked earlier about warrior societies and thinking of klingons and things like that where there's kind of like a gruffness to like the way they do everything I think that would be sort of the thing that they would have to unlearn is, you know, when you walk into a room, you don't just like punch the nearest guy in the face (laughs) and then like laugh and like buy him a thing of ale. Like you have to walk in and like learning just based like fancy etiquette and things like this. So that would be one thing. But then also training the anger and aggression and the reaction out of themselves. But what I think is really interesting is that I feel like in this story, there would need to come a time at the end where the only thing that will save them and their comrades is like their rage and that energy. I was thinking the exact same thing is when does it come back? Right. When do they return? Exactly. And in fact, I think by then, like maybe because I'm, I'm me and I love romance. So maybe (laughs) while this, during this like long undercover mission, right, it's been like a couple years undercover, if not way more than that, because they're elves, they can live a really long time. Yeah. They've like found a partner and maybe they've confided in them about the truth about themselves and where they come from. And perhaps there's like, there's probably like a war between these two kingdoms and that's what they're doing. They're gathering information, yeah. giving it back yeah. to the other side because their people are like repressed and they need to, you know, get the freedom from tyranny and all this great stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a Capulets and uh, whatever the other Montagues. Montagues. Thank you. All that good stuff. <laughs> so in the very end, uh, I'm going to say he's like a big buff, tall, hot dude. Someone I would love. Obviously. Just like Sam. And <laughs> and his beautiful, fair, like high elf wife, you know, they're in some kind of dangerous spot and she's like, you can save us. Like if, if you, you know, get that energy, that rage that you told me about that you, that you grew up with, like you can break us out of here and we'll be free. And they're like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I spent so long repressing it. And she's like, think of everything that makes you mad. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Like they, they've forgotten how, like kind of who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Simba 
goes off and forgets that he's the king, right? Remember. Does, yes, yeah. exactly. You have, to, <laughs> you have to kind of reclaim your old identity. Yeah. I, I think that would be an interesting struggle. For, you know uh, what? Oh, my God. I'm just going to go full yeah. on cliches. All of my favorite tropes. The thing that helps him find his barbarian rage to like break free and save everybody of course is someone grabs his wife and threatens her and that's what yeah. makes him like go crazy and he's like oh you just made a really bad mistake yeah, sure. like and then yeah like totally going mad killing people left and right snapping necks swoops up pretty lady gets him out of there and that's a wrap and that's I a wrap think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cliche but it makes me happy so but, i mean sometimes cliches are kind of fun right yeah. i mean you know the the nice thing about utilizing these sort of bits of cultural knowledge that we all understand or that you you get this sort of built in information like you, you don't have to explain certain parts of this right like you can sort of say well you know everyone's kind of heard this story before we have certain expectations and then within those boundaries you know the little details you can kind of change and twist around in interesting ways right yeah if if your character has this backstory you know you can find ways that fit within that arc that are that are not the things you see every single time mm -hmm. right um i think it'd be interesting i think this would be really interesting to see with you know with a um you know have it with like a little gnome or something like that instead of a giant you know <laughs> hulking orc right like what does that look like uh I, I think that would be kind of a a cool and fun thing and there's cool and fun ways to twist that around into more subversive uh sort of channels definitely yeah all right, your turn, Sam. It is my turn, Piper. What have you got for me? Your word is hush. 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 Ooh. Okay. Like hush, the Batman villain. I also uh, want to challenge you because I feel like it's been a long time since you've made a female character. Yeah. So do it if you dare. So yeah, when you know when I think of I guess female characters and the word hush, I mean quiet from Metal Gear Solid kind of jumps in, right? The 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 idea of a character that is is totally non-vocal, um, I think is interesting. Maybe, so maybe this is a thing. Maybe they're like a, uh, like a Black Bolt type character or a Black Canary where their voice is kind of their rage, right? Anytime they open their mouth, their voice is this like incredible, booming, destructive force, right? Ooh, maybe they so, have like the voice of a god. Yes. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. So no one can hear it without dying. They're, they're like a mute, right? They never speak because when they do, everything around them is like destroyed, like utterly, cool. right? I think that would be kind of a cool thing. And, and how do they even learn to harness that, right? Can they eventually learn to speak in whispered tones? And that, you know, that only causes, you know, minor earthquakes. It doesn't and actually, you know, level city. You'll get a like seizure, that. but you won't die. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And, you know, and I think this would also be kind of an interesting thing to tie into the barbarian idea, right? We talked about what's more terrifying than a giant axe wielding monster singing, you know, this, this powerful song to himself, this joyous song as he hacks off the heads of those around them, right? Um, you know, if their song is literally that they sing the song that ends the earth or whatever, you know, like every time they get into battle, they, they use their voice, not only to enhance their abilities, but like their ability is their voice. They're they using their voice as a weapon, a destructive force. I'm thinking of a kind of like, this is again, not an original concept, but like, what if your character was sort of essentially like a 
a bringer of end times, like an antichrist or whatever. Oh, cool. And that voice was like the great, like the voice of God, the holy weapon that will like destroy everything. They yeah. will speak and they will wipe out like mountains and stuff like that. But what if they were, you know, found by a very good person? Like someone stole them away from this satanic like temple or something like that, or they just got in the right hands and that person, you know, learned about their ability. And for like when they were like a baby and a little kid, they had like these calming uh, techniques that they used with them and it was always like hush dear hush like they and like this person who cared for the this child you know taught them to to quiet their voice and their anger to control that i and, like that yeah just yeah. a thought that would be something i would take that in no i, I think another thing that's that that's another thing that's interesting about that right that yeah that if they are this great demon that will destroy the entire earth or whatever uh, if they follow a different life path, maybe they don't go down that direction, right? There's this prophecy that they are the one that will that will bring about the destruction of all things. But some kindly old woman finds them in, in a in a, a wicker basket and a, a feel a cabbage patch or whatever, and they they take them in and they train them not to be the destroyer of all things, but to be a, a builder and a and a healer and a creator and a you know someone that can help people with their their voice yeah. uh, i think that would be really interesting and they teach them sign language yes exactly exactly i think that would be so cool a character that yeah that only speaks in signs and then when yeah when they do speak that's you know this this like momentous thing um i think another thing that would be really interesting about it is you know maybe instead of maybe instead of a character that is kind of silenced out of this loving um kind of protective and helpful thing maybe they you know as a, a young person or as a child or whatever as their this evil voice of theirs was developing some group of clerics that said we're gonna we're gonna save the world we're gonna stop this voice from ever coming into being and they they cut out this child's tongue they or they cut out their vocal cords or whatever and Yikes. so now there's yeah there's this kind mm. of like well these people thought they were helping the world but also they did this terrible thing to do it right like is that is that an okay thing? What, you know, how do we know this child was going to actually bring about all of this destruction? So right? that actually gives me an idea for an interesting quest or, or campaign plot line yeah. is kind of what I tried to do when I introduced you guys to Puck, the little fawn. Yes. I tried to give you like uh, what appeared to be like an innocent child character yes. that needed your help or seemed like a nice companion or an ally. And then it turned out they were the big bad guy. Yes. The, uh, one of the sons of Baphomet in our, in our game. Right. Uh, yeah, our Zoo Crew game that we talked about earlier. So a, f a similar kind of bait and switch, which might be kind of fun, is if you introduce your party to this this pretty young girl who's had this horrible thing done to her. Like she, you can see yeah. the, the gruesome scars on her throat. And, you know, she signs to you and she says, like, these horrible people did this to me and they stole my voice from me. If I could just speak again, if I could yes, sing, yes. if I could tell my mother I love her when she can hear it from my own words, like, it would be the greatest thing ever. And you're like, oh, my God, the sweet little girl who would do this to her. And so you go on this great mission, right? And you get back her voice, kind of aerial style, and you give it to her. And then you're like, look, we did it for you. Are you happy? And she's like, into all. And this, like, <laughs> destroys the world. And the, they're like, you fools. Totally. Why? did you give her her voice back i like that I, I i like this the voice is kind of the the holy grail right it's this like artifact you're trying to seek you have to get her voice back like how ariel tries to get her voice back from ursula or whatever right um her voice lives inside of some artifact and when you smash it her voice returns to her mm -hmm. um i also like exploring the idea of 
other ways to communicate for this character, right? Whether it is signing or whether it is, you know, maybe they can possess another person temporarily and speak through them. And does the weight of their voice continue when it's coming out of someone else's mouth, right? Are they able to have a lesser destructive effect when they're making someone else speak for them? Or maybe they learn to, you know, that they, if they speak in like normal human tones, that's destructive. But if they sing, if they, if they use the power of music and magic to, uh, to, kind of subdue this destructive energy they, they can sing as long as they're singing in beautiful tones they can communicate normally but if they speak without a melody to it then that's a destructive force that's pretty cool yeah so they communicate like via opera yeah exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say they're like an opera singer that's pretty neat and the only time they're not destroying things is when they're singing opera you know like instead of them having uh this voice that can shatter glasses when they sing it's if they just go Hey, what's up? Everything, you know, falls to, <laughs> falls to dust, right? Dude, I also, you gave me another idea, which I really love. You said yeah. this idea that maybe they can put their voice into other people and talk through them. Yeah. So, but like if that voice is too big and powerful and too much for their the host that they choose to handle, this person could get a reputation of becoming the mother of barbarians because if she puts her voice in someone, it makes them go mad. Oh, I love that. And then that. They, they can't take it after a while and they go into this crazy rage and they just run off into the wilderness. See, and that and would... she keeps finding people to like talk for her and yeah. she's sending off, sending off all these like deranged monsters that she creates. I think that would be a really interesting even like source for, like imagine in your world if all barbarians come from, you know, they were, they worship this goddess, right? Who her, the, the voice of madness or something, right? That when you communicate with her, she will then use you as a vessel. She will speak through you and her voice drives you mad. And that's how all barbarians are created. I like it's it. Not that feels very dark souls, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like it's not a thing that you train for. It's like you devote yourself to this goddess, this, this vision, this ideal. And when you finally, finally get to see eye to eye with her, when you are granted an audience, that experience drives you insane. And like you, are, you are forever changed. By Very that. cool. I think that's a really cool thing too. I, I love that. And I can see a lot of reasons why people would maybe want that. Like maybe yeah. like, again, all of this stuff is like very sad, but like, you know, someone who says, you know, I'm, I'm, fed up with my life and I I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Like, just make me go crazy, please. I'll take your voice. Yeah. Like, make me go mad so I don't have to think about... I'm serving a higher purpose by yeah. sacrificing my sanity. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that a lot. And another thing, it, you know, it's like... Um, another thing it makes me think of is in, in Dragon Ball Z, right? There's um, Vegeta is... He's this very prideful warrior and he's always kind of second fiddle to Goku. Goku's just this goofy guy who, you know, he... He's a great warrior, but he doesn't really take anything super seriously. He, you know, he fights to protect the people that he loves, but he's not all about being the most powerful warrior ever. Whereas Vegeta, who is a, you know, a prince of Saiyans of this warrior culture, it's the most important thing in the world for him to be the best fighter ever. And he always has to play second fiddle to this, this idiot who just Mm -hmm. doesn't care about anything. Right. And it's infuriating to him and it gets to him to the point where he will sacrifice anything for just a little bit more strength right and there's an arc in in the later seasons of dragon ball z where there's this this uh wizard named uh bobbity who he basically says bobbity? yeah it bibbity bobbity funny you would say that yeah so there's a bibbity there's a bobbity and they create a warrior named boo oh my god and that's the whole thing wow yeah. so um so 
basically Bobbity can he can cast a spell on anyone that allows him to like mind control them and while he mind controls them they have enhanced fighting abilities they have more power um but they have no control over themselves right and vegeta says you know what i'm so strong i bet that i i'll let him cast the spell on me i'll intentionally open myself up to him casting the spell on me because i bet that i'm just so badass i have the force of will to <laughs> overcome his mind control so i'll reap all the benefits of this spell but i won't actually let him control me and so it's this sort of like ploy that vegeta has where you know babadi thinks oh i've i've captured vegeta this prince of warriors who he can be used as a, a tool for me and at one point he kind of says hey vegeta go kill you know your friends go kill goku or whatever and vegeta just goes nah dude <laughs> no, i'm not gonna do that i was i was i was playing you it was a joke just a joke my man i got you the whole time Dang. And there's this, it's like one of the coolest scenes of the entire series where he's like you know you can you can control my body and my mind but you can never take away my pride i will always have that and that will let me that i will i will cling to this i will be my own person and i will never let you take away my my warrior's heart Dang. right um, it's really, really cool. Uh, I, I think that would be really neat. Uh, and, and I could see there being a lot of characters like this that would say like, no, I'm a, I'm a powerful warrior. Her voice won't drive me mad. I'll go there and I'll take these barbarian abilities and I'll be able to, I can keep it together. I'm not like all these other worshipers. Right. So it's kind of this test. Mm -hmm. I think some people would go out there and say, am I the one to be able to keep it together when I hear her voice. And, and maybe there's sort of a prophecy. No one can. Yeah, no, of course no <laughs> one can. So it's making this kind of insane army of madmen that, you know, there maybe there'd be a prophecy that one of them will rise above. And who will it be? Mm. You know, maybe it's your player character. I bet she just spread that rumor so that people <laughs> would keep coming. <laughs> yeah, No probably. one can defy her. Will. Probably. They will all go mad. No, I think uh, that's really cool. I want to add just a few more details to my story because I felt like it was pretty flat and boring and we just made awesome stuff with yours. <laughs> the queen of madness versus whatever you did. A spy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a, a barbarian spy who has to learn to temper his rage. Uh, I just want to say that I feel like and in the start of his initiating himself into this like high society, he's failing miserably. Like he he took some etiquette lessons, but he's still doing a really bad job of like coming across as like a natural at this and he keeps forgetting how to do the right thing and there are so many uh, little like tells that are constantly yeah. like almost setting him off. Yeah. Like I think, I think people are constantly like trash talking his people, uh, which obviously they don't, they don't know that's where he's from, but they're saying these things and he has to just kind of sit there and nod and be like, mm -hmm, they're the worst. And he's like, Oh, I want to kill you so bad. <laughs> and so I think uh, what I like this idea, like maybe he doesn't actually get good at his job until he meets his future wife. Like, I think she sees him at some oh. like formal event and she sees how much he's struggling. And I think there's like this rumor going around. Cause I think he's a, a very attractive guy. So yeah. all the people are like, who's that hot stranger? <laughs> and he's like a super hot stranger, but his, his etiquette and his, his skills, skills, um, his, what's the word I'm looking for? He doesn't his have the right demeanor, sophistication. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a little too crass. So they're not yeah. like, well, we can't be seen with him. Like yeah. he's not, he's not know. like, he's a little, people are like, he doesn't, where did he, who is he? Where did he come from? Like he doesn't quite fit the role, you know, right, exactly. like a little suspicious of him. So people of are intrigued by him, but no one wants to get close. Yeah. And she's like one of the only people who actually does. And I yeah. think one night at like some gala, she's can tell that he's like fuming about something and he like excuses himself to go outside and she like follows him and he's out there and he like punches a statue and it turns to <laughs> dust. And she's like, I knew it. You're from that barbarian clan. And he's like, Nope, that was an accident. There was a crack. I just touched it and it fell over. She's like, no, I love it. I love it. Like, 
like, tell me more about yourself. People won't let me like learn about you guys. And I think you're so interesting. I, I like this idea that she would, she figured it out. Like yeah. she knows who she saw through his, and, and she kind of says, look, I don't really have any skin in this game. I, I was born into high society, but I, I don't care about any of it. You know, like I respect you. You seem like a cool and powerful guy who I'm kind of like falling for. I want to help you. I want to like kind of Lady Macbeth him a little bit, kind of help from behind the scenes, sort of scheming and plotting and, and helping him to become what he kind of needs to be. Right. Which I think is a really interesting thing. And I think this makes them kind of an interesting team, right? Mm -hmm. Like that would be a fun thing to have, as either a, um, you know, as either two characters in a game or maybe even as a dynamic between, you know, you as a player and your DM playing this as an NPC, like where does that kind of go? Is this something that can really last? Is this a relationship that can kind of work out? Or is it something where eventually one of you is going to have to get caught and which one is it going to be? You know, only one of you can get out. Do you, which one of them sacrifices themselves for the other? Mm -hmm. Um, Or, and maybe that kind of, pushes you know if if it's if it's her that ends up um being captured as a traitor or whatever maybe that becomes the new focal point for this barbarian's rage well like i said that would be the final thing that makes him tap into that anger again yes because i think she through years helps him kind of lock that rage away and then he can successfully infiltrate high society get all the intel he needs give it back to his government and his people and then, yeah. yeah, it's it's when she, when they're kind of caught and discovered and they take her, that's when he is able to unleash this power within and, him again and to imagine save her. like the, you know, the next level of this rage is that she's captured as a traitor and she's being accused of all the things that you did, mm-hmm. right? So not only are you in this rage that, you know, that they have captured her and they're torturing her or whatever, but this rage, it's directed at yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like an inward rage because you're saying, I did all these things that she's being accused of. Like... I, I have to look in the mirror to say, who do I blame for this? It's me, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I think that's a really interesting and tragic dynamic too. Yeah, and I yeah. think it would also pose an interesting kind of areas for conversation of, you know, if he's talking to his contacts from the other side on like yeah. his homeland yeah. and they're like, well, she's one of them. She was taken. It doesn't matter. She's the enemy. And he's like, yeah. I've been married to her for 50 years. <laughs> I love her. And if you don't care about her, maybe you're the enemy after all. Like, yeah. why have I been serving you all this time? I'm going to go and questioning yeah, I'm going to go and get her back. <laughs> yeah. So all Absolutely. kinds of cute romance. No, I think that's fun. Yeah. I, I love I love these. Yay. I think these are both really fun. Uh, I don't good. think yours was mundane or vanilla at all. I think yours is really fun. Well, sweet. I felt like we got excited with yours. Mine was kind of like, <laughs> um, he's like a ratigan, but what if an elf? <laughs> you know, it's like we said, like sometimes it's really, it's, it's helpful to just kind of leverage these really common tropes because it gives us this kind of group think like this fundamental understanding of them. Right. Yeah. And that gives you in a long form storytelling situation opportunity to push it in new interesting directions because you don't have to explain the basics. Exactly. Everyone can understand the basics, right? Like, I I think that's cool. It's harder to play as a character that doesn't have that foundation in the the kind of commonly understood sort of parlance, right? The the zeitgeist. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, I I think two uh, really interesting directions to go here, and and I think a good place to leave both of these characters. Definitely. So uh, thank you again so much. Kara or Kara uh, or Kara uh, <laughs> for for recommending this topic, um, and and I think this is a good way to kind of segue 
into, into our into our next section our thank tank yes our thank tank and yes. our rec room both which spoilers they're both for her they're one and the same yeah. hey super fan yes Kara. So, uh <laughs> piper why don't you give us a bit of a bit of a little thank tank uh take a jump on into the thank tank i will uh Kara sent this amazing message to us a little while ago and it came with some incredible fan art oh my god uh, unbelievable blew yeah. us away so she sent us this awesome message and in it she says I've always been a fan of your guys' episode about intelligent weapons and the creation you two came up with with the Ambassador's Blade. Uh, She says, maybe I'm a little biased because I do study linguistics. So the linguistics and world building episode was such a niche love for me. She says, I finally got a chance of playing a a campaign after only DMing for so long and I had to use this as a source of inspiration. She then sent us an awesome description of this character she created along with some fantastic art, which I think you've already reshared. I I haven't reshared it yet. I was waiting until this episode goes live. So I'm going uh, and and I also actually, Kara, let us know if you're cool with us resharing this. We really would love to help boost the stuff that you're doing because yeah, if you are an incredible talent. If like, you've uh, tweeted it, cool that art. image, uh, let us know. We'll retweet it because yes. then obviously yes, it has please. all your attachments to it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, th- it was such a cool idea. Like one, so honored that, you know, you get stuck in DMing for so long and when you finally get a chance to play another character again, um, you waste it on one of our silly creations. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that's, that's a huge compliment. We're honored. Um, we really love that. And I loved the idea that you had for your Echo Knight that, uh, you know, Echo Knight, a, a fighter essentially that can make a copy of themselves. And um, Kara's idea was that this fighter, they had their their throat and their tongue kind of cut out and oh, they, maybe they, that's where you got that yeah, idea. maybe that is kind of where i got this idea actually I, channeling stole it. I aped it from uh from cara um and the echo that they make is an echo of their past self that still can speak and so there's this kind of mute modern present version of themselves and this kind of ghost of the past right that still maintains the ability to speak all of these different languages and is this you know incredible linguist like i think that's so cool um very cool having two sort of different versions of yourself, right? It's not just a one-to-one. I, I love that. So thank you so, so much for sharing that with us, Cara, and for sharing your incredible art of it. Um, and for giving us this it. fun prompt to create yes, barbarians. Absolutely. Um, and I think that is a, a good way to jump on over into the rec room, which again, as we said, spoilers is Cara. Uh, Cara. Please, please, Cara uh, or Cara. <laughs> Confirm how to say your goddamn name. <laughs> um, uh, please, listeners, go and check out her work on Twitter at Kara Weck underscore underscore. Um, she's such an incredible, talented artist, and it looks like she's got some kind of a like a online zine going on that is a charity. Um, you you can. It, it's like a collaboration with a bunch of different artists that she's been working on. And um, all of the profits go to the World Central Kitchen, which is a, uh, a charity organization that's focused on providing relief for hungry people in the wake of natural disasters. Um, so Kara or Kara is doing some really, really <laughs> cool work uh, out there. And we, we really, really love her art, but also we love the ways that she's kind of focusing her art into helping make the world better. I, I think that's, that's so awesome. cool. Um, Way to go. Yeah. We, we are really just impressed with your talent and we're really honored that you would kind of direct that at, at some of our creations a little bit. So, You've inspired us in more ways than one. Yes, you absolutely have. So uh, thank you so much for sending in this recommendation, for being such a wonderful listener. Uh, and thank you to all of you listeners out there who send us 
wonderful suggestions all the time. We've got a, another couple of cool listener suggestions coming up in the coming weeks here, but we've also got some other fun things to talk about, Piper. What else is coming down the pipes? Um, episode 100 is yeah. coming down the pipes. Oh my gosh, you guys, we're so close. It's it's insane that we've been yeah. doing this for so long. I think two episodes away. I think so. I think this is 98. We're going to have 99 and then 100. And we've got some really... Well, Sam, that is how numbers work. That is how numbers work. Yes. I can count. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, count. Uh, this is just honestly so cool. Um, we've got some really, really fun plans. And they involve 100. you. They do involve you, listeners. Uh, what are we going to do, Piper? So one thing that we really want to do... We want to work off of prompts that you guys come up with. Yeah. And obviously we ask this every single week. So we're already, you know, talking with some of our previous guests to have them record prompts, which we will listen to live on air and respond to in the moment. But we want you guys to do the same. And if you're comfortable, you know, recording yourself and sending in an audio clip that we can cut in so you can actually be on the show with us. Yes. Fabulous. We'd love to hear your prompts. If you don't have prompts, if you have questions that you just want to learn about Sam and I, like our favorite color or the, (laughs) our favorite little squirrel that we once met while walking in the park. Uh, then we'll answer those things. Absolutely. Uh, And if you don't want to record yourself, you can always just type out, uh, write out your questions, send them to us on Twitter. We're at WorldForgePod, or you can send them to us uh, if they're longer, more in-depth things. uh, Send them to WorldForgePod at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, If you record yourself, please keep it under a minute long. Um, But we'd love to hear from all of you, and we want to put your voices on the air because that's the best way to celebrate 100 episodes. Absolutely. And and I think what we want to do is kind of have this be sort of a celebration of all of you guys for, for again, like we said, continuing to help inspire us. You know, we really wouldn't have been able to do this show for so long if we weren't always getting such incredibly heartwarming and inspiring feedback from you guys. Honestly, like it's really cool. We, we are so appreciative of, of all the emails and all the tweets and, you know, and all the, all the feedback that you guys have sent us, um, you know, whether it's fan art or whether it's just, you know, a little comment saying like, Hey, I had fun with this week's episode. That means so much to us. It really, really does. And so we want to try and include as much of that in episode 100 as we can. So what we want to do is, yeah, we want to collect all of this, all of these audio prompts or all of these, you know, uh, email prompts or tweet prompts. Questions, truth or dare. Tw- questions, truth or dare. Would you rather? We, we want to we wanna present them all kind of blind on air. So we'll be able to kind of go through sort of lightning round and create just a bunch of different things that you and a bunch of our past guests have sent in. So I think that'll be a really, really fun episode. We can, we can really kind of spread that out really wide. We can create a whole bunch of different things for you. So you're getting a lot of bang for your buck with this one coming in. But uh, yeah, if you've always dreamed of being a guest on World Forge, uh, whether you have the, you know, a high quality audio setup or you just record it on your phone, please, please, please consider setting that stuff into us. It, it would be really, really fun for us to get to, uh, to, to, play around with your your prompts again so absolutely we'll love uh, it and yeah. we'll probably put out a tweet with some specific information like how to yes. you know include your name if you have a, a handle where you want to be tagged include that information yes so we can give you a proper shout out when we receive your absolutely your comments absolutely. and questions so, uh yeah we're really really excited about this um some other exciting news that we have we're actually going on a trip uh this coming weekend so we are we're probably gonna we, we we might change up the format of the show a little bit for this. We'll do been, something a little different. A little bit different. We've actually been talking about, we're going on a road trip from, from Minneapolis to the west side of the Dakotas. We're going to the Black Hills. We've been talking about maybe recording an episode 
you know, out, out in the woods or on the road or, you know, we don't really know. On top know. of a mountain? Yeah, on top of a mountain. But we We're going to interview some pea dogs. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll get some quality little yips in there for you. We've got a lot of fun stuff that we want to do for the episodes leading up to episode 100, but I think this is going to be a really fun kind of celebration of just everything that this show has kind of evolved into and everything that you've helped it, helped build it into. So, um, yeah, everything good that we do really stems from all of your support and feedback. So... So really, like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank listeners. you. Listeners. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just look forward to uh, all of that. We'll look forward to hearing from all of you guys. If you want to find other ways to support the show, if you're not comfortable with sending in audio prompts, but you do want to help us out, of course, you can follow the usual channels for that. You can leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or your podcasting app of choice, five stars, and a nice little comment is always appreciated. You can share our show with a friend, uh, or you can send in your, yeah, your fan art, your fan mail, your fan fiction, whatever it is to worldforgepod at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at worldforgepod. And, uh, we will just, just eat it all up. We just enjoy every <laughs> little bit of it. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I think that is it for this week. Sure is. Uh, we love you all our fabulous listeners. <laughs> uh, we will be back again next week with another exciting topic for you. And, And goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. (laughs)